0: This is lead minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSEC. I just want to welcome you to the RSEC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter, not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today, I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Good morning, good morning. I hope everyone had a good Christmas. If you don't know who I am, my name is Adam, and I'm the youth minister here, and I'm going to be with you this morning. Nathan uh, is with his family in Illinois. Um, They got there safely last night with baby Natalie. Um, So this morning, uh, well first off, I just enjoyed seeing everybody at Christmas Eve. I hope everybody had a good time with family and friends yesterday. It's always good to see people come together, right, um, on Christmas Eve and celebrate the coming of Jesus. Um, And Today, I believe that we're going to be receiving a word that is really fitting for today. And I believe that this word uh, might land on your heart, uh, specifically in in the time and the day that we're we're on today, the day after Christmas. Um, And and I believe that we're going to be able to draw some really impactful things out of this message. And as we dig deeper into God's presence, I believe that He's going to draw us to to learn and receive new things about Him. Uh, So before we jump in, uh, would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us to this place. Uh, thank you for giving us the opportunity to learn more about you. And, and as we celebrated the coming of your son uh, the past couple of days, God, I pray that we would not just let that moment pass by, but we would continually uh, celebrate uh, the life and the coming of Jesus, God. And as we walk into our lives, God, as we receive words from you, Lord, um, I pray that we would just simply rest in your presence and continue to learn more and more about you. Um, amen. So today, I'm going to be talking about the topic of miracles. Um, and growing up in church, I always heard a lot about miracles, right? Whether it was reading a passage from the Bible, or, or hearing from somebody talk about a miracle that has happened in their life, or a miracle they were praying for in their life. Uh, miracles were a part of the faith language that I was around, and sometimes, as I heard about miracles, and I heard about God doing things in people's lives, uh, the picture that, that came with a miracle sometimes felt a little incomplete. Uh, and what I mean by that is that it felt like there was a bigger picture uh, that wasn't being touched on or, or something that was not being explained um, when the topic of miracles was discussed. So today I'm going to bring us through what life looks like on, on the other side of a miracle. After the miracle happens, what does life look like on the other side? So when you think of miracles in Scripture, you might think about a lot of different things. You might think of Jesus healing the leper. You might think of Jesus feeding the 5,000. You might think of Jesus uh, at at a wedding feast turning water into wine or or the miraculous moment where Jesus is walking on water with the disciples. Uh, Whichever miracle account in Scripture might come to mind when you think of miracles, uh, today I want you to think about, and I'm going to unpack what it looks like to be on the other side of that. What happens when the wine runs out? What happens when Jesus is back on the land? What happens when the 5,000 people return to their homes and continue on their lives? What happens uh, when, when the person that is healed gets sick again or forgets that they were healed? Because what I'm going to propose to you today is that the miracle was larger than the moment. That, that the thing that happened, the thing that God did as he healed, as he moved in people's lives was larger than that one moment. And I'll explain what I mean by that here in a little bit. But before I do that, I want to look back on my own life a little bit. And I think of a conversation I had with my grandfather. Uh, I think we were driving in a car one day and we were talking about miracles. And he was explaining to me the, the process in which a certain uh, Christian denomination uh, affirms that a miracle has happened. And there was a step-by-step process where uh, this had to be affirmed and these things had to check out. and. There was this process, procedural, procedural thing that had to happen for the church to say, yes, God has done a miracle in this moment or in this situation. And I remember thinking after hearing that, man, that feels a little sanitized. It feels a little structured um, in a way that I hadn't experienced God working in my life. And I was, I was thinking in that moment as well, man, something might be missing here. And as I was thinking about that cold procedural understanding of miracles, um, it didn't line up with what I saw in Scripture or the work that I saw the Holy Spirit doing in my own life and those around me. Uh, but today I'm not here to stand and unpack all the intricate things of what a miracle is or what a miracle isn't. Um, it's not what I want to do today. What I want to actually talk about with you is something a little different. And the reason I mentioned that story is just to say that sometimes we as the church can miss the point. To, can miss the mark and get distracted when it comes to thinking about miracles that God does in our life. Uh, so today I want to ask you, what happens after the miracle. And what I mean by that is is in your own life, after you get that promotion, after the honeymoon phase wears off, after you, you get into that school that you have been praying to get into, uh, after the sickness is improving, and in the context of today, after the savior of the world is born, what then? What happens on December 26th, the day after the miracle? And my hope for today is to answer some of those questions. So what I want to do is, is jump into a story from Jesus's life and unpack uh, unpack this story because I believe that in this story we'll find some core principles uh, for what it looks like to live after the miracle. So if you're a note taker, you have your Bible with you, uh, would you turn to John 11 with me? We're going to be in John 11. Uh, also, if you want to take notes on our RSCC family app, uh, we have an awesome little section that you can follow along and you can take your own notes on there or you can uh, follow along with some of the, the key points that I have in there. Um, But we're going to be in John 11, and we're going to be receiving a story that you're likely familiar with. You've probably heard it before. It's the story of a man named Lazarus, right? Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus, actually, and and unfortunately, Lazarus gets sick, and his sickness doesn't improve. Actually, Lazarus' sickness gets worse and worse and worse, and, and it becomes a dire situation, right? So let's jump into it. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 say this, Says so a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later would pour expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. And her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus, telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So this sets the scene in the story, and we're told uh, that Lazarus is a dear friend of Jesus, and he is getting very sick to the point where his sisters are, are not just giving him some warm water and chicken noodle soup, but they're coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, you need to intervene in this situation. So this sets the scene in the story, and if we jump forward a few verses, we see Jesus respond to Mary and Martha's call when he arrives in Lazarus' town. He makes the journey, the trip to Lazarus' town, and he arrives in the town, and uh, he gets there and he then he is told, Hey, Jesus, Lazarus, he's been dead for four days. They're like, Jesus, we already buried him. He's in the grave, he's been there for four days. And, and when Jesus arrives, there's already mourners with Mary and they're grieving the loss of her brother. And, and sorry, I know, sorry to spoil the story. I know Spider Man came out recently. Everybody's worried about spoilers, but I'm going to spoil this story for you. Uh, Jesus. Goes to the grave and he tells him to roll back the stone and he calls Lazarus out and Lazarus miraculously comes out of the tomb and, and he's brought back to life um, and I'm sure in that moment it was this climatic moment where everybody was super excited people were probably crying tears of joys people were probably screaming because they were like what in the heck just happened this man was in the grave for four days and, and there was all these crazy reactions I'm sure but with the climax of this story isn't actually what I want to draw your attention to today. Yeah, There's three parts in this story and three things that Jesus says throughout this story that I believe are going to shed some light uh, of as the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And, and as we see what Jesus says and how he responds and how he carries himself through this whole interaction, I believe we're going to see three principles that I think speak to the idea of what life looks like after the miracle. What life looks like after Lazarus is raised from the dead. What life looks like after God does a new thing in our lives. Yeah, so the first thing I want to look at here is a thing Jesus said here. I want to look back to verse 4. So if, you, if you're in your, in your Bible, we're going to be in verse 4 of chapter 11. And Jesus says this. It says, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God So that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Remember, this is back in verse 4. Before Jesus was with Lazarus at the grave. This is before Lazarus may have even been dead. And and this might have been in the moment where Lazarus was getting deathly ill. And he was facing death. And Jesus wasn't there yet. But Jesus says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. And he doesn't say this because Lazarus was looking up and up. It wasn't like his sickness was improving. He wasn't saying this because there was a doctor there giving him the right medicine. In fact, likely he was, he was getting worse and he was moving towards the moment where he was going to die from his sickness. And Jesus said this. And I don't think Jesus was attempting to reveal to the people he said this to. He wasn't trying to be like, oh yeah, so Lazarus might die. But just know like he's not going to be dead forever. He might die, but he's not gonna, it's not going to end in death. Jesus didn't say Lazarus isn't going to die, but he said it will not end in death. And, and Jesus was wanting to set the right perspective uh, for anyone facing hardships that might have been listening to him. And, and we see here that Jesus says the right perspective gives glory to God. The right perspective when everything is falling apart. The right perspective when everything is going wrong. And the right perspective when everything is going right. It gives glory to God. And Jesus was like, not only is Lazarus' sickness not going to end in death, not only is he not going to end in death, but the whole reason why he was even sick in the first place was so that God might receive glory from his situation. And maybe today, on December 26th, you need to hear that reminder that no matter what hard things we face or whatever struggles might be in your life in this time, uh, will not ultimately end in death. Look, it doesn't mean that the things that we face won't hurt. It doesn't mean that the things that we go through won't tear us down sometimes because Lazarus was sick. And Lazarus died, but it ultimately did not end in death. Because even the worst things that we face on earth, all the power they can have, the ultimate power they can have is to take our life, right? The the worst sickness, the most evil thing in the world, all the power it has is to take our life. But, you know, we serve a Jesus who even the Lazarus that died from sickness didn't end. His fate didn't end in death. And, and I believe we have that same promise for us today that our lives will not ultimately end in death. And, and we're reminded by Jesus that the miracle of, of Lazarus being raised from the dead... Or, or whatever miracle might have happened in your life, or any miracle that you've prayed for, or have been hoping for, or have looked forward to, any miracle that we might ha- have access to or will ever ever receive, we're reminded here that Jesus, by Jesus, that the miracle was never about a thing. It was never about the money. It was never about building our portfolio. It was never about the new car, the new house, or the new job. The miracle was never about a thing. It was about a person. That person is Jesus. And and you see all the times when we get into that school we had been praying for. We land that dream job that we've been waiting for. Or we find that spouse or we we receive good health results. It was never about the money. It was never about the doctor. It was never about the possessions we might gain. It's all about Jesus. And, And all the amazing things that happen to us and that we are able to receive ultimately point us And give us the opportunity to give glory to Jesus. Just as Jesus said, no, it happened for the glory of God. So that the Son of God might receive glory from this. And as we look at this, I think the crazy thing is that even the things that are painful. Because it's easy to say, God, you get the glory for when I receive that check. God, you get the glory for when I get into that school. God, you get the glory for when I get into that school. You get the glory for when I find that right person. But from this story, we see that God gets the glory even through the painful things, even through the hard things. And Jesus said Lazarus' sickness happened so that the Son of God would receive glory. And you might think, well, why in the heck would he say something like that? Because Lazarus was getting worse. His sickness was getting worse. And here's why he said that, I believe. is because that our shortcomings, our shortcomings are opportunities to reveal how great God is. And and, you know, I think back to a time in my life where I was in early high school, um, and and in 10th grade, uh, I had a moment in my life where I first received a calling from God to to pursue youth ministry. And that was a, a crazy time in my life. I was just coming out of the wake of my parents' divorce, and my emotions were all over the chart. But there was a moment where I so, so real Such a raw and real moment where I felt the presence of God call me and draw me towards youth ministry. And and it was this awesome moment and looking back, it was truly a miracle that I received a calling in that time. And I was coming out of a dark time, like I said, and uh, it was just such a miracle that God trusted me. A little 10th grader who didn't know anything, some things, but had a lot to learn, a lot of ways to grow. And I received this calling from God and fast forward a few years from then. I knew that I wanted to pursue youth ministry and I was looking for colleges and and it was crazy how it happened, but I I felt God lead me to a specific school and I went to this school and it was going to be a place that would ultimately grow my faith and, and build me awesome relationships around me. It was a blessing. It was a miracle that God lined these things up. But I don't share this story because... I just want to stand up here and be like, look how great God is. Look what he did in my life. I share this story because I want to, I want to be real with you and give you the full picture of that story because I followed this calling that God had give, given me. I, I went to the school that I felt led to, and I had followed all the things that God had called me to do. But the reality of it was, once I got to the school that God led me to, to study the field that I felt called to, wasn't all sunshines and rainbows, right? Like, like we all know when we are living life, there's things that come up. And, and uh, if, if you get the complete picture of that story, you would know that uh, every semester that I was at that school, I didn't know if I was coming back the next semester because there was a payment due. I didn't have the money to make it. And, and so each semester, I was, I was worried, God, am I going to be able to come back to the school that you felt led to? God, did I mess up? Did I not go to the right place? Are you, are you mad at me? And I started asking all these questions. In this moment, each semester would come around and I would be like, God, there's a payment due. I don't know how it's getting made. Uh, But every single time, whether it was through uh, family helping out or or friends, literally one semester friends made a GoFundMe for me. And I I miraculously made it through all four years and and made it each semester. and, And money was provided. And there was ways that God showed up in that situation. But it wasn't easy. And on the backside of the miracle of, of God leading me to a certain field, God leading me to a certain school, after that miracle, there was hard times. There was really hard times. But God was reminding me, hey, it's not all about you. And he was, he was teaching me to be humble and remind me, Adam, you'll never be able to work your way. You'll never be able to prove your way uh, to show that you are capable enough. Or, or, and ultimately, it brings me back to my point that our shortcomings are opportunities to reveal how great God is. Whatever way you might feel like you fall short, whatever way uh, you're out, things that are out of your control affect you, whether it be a sickness or, or a situation in your life, our shortcomings in, in the places where pain evolves out of uh, is an opportunity to reveal how great God is. And we're, we're invited to give all the glory to Jesus, like he says earlier. So maybe today... You need to hear these words of Jesus just to refresh your perspective, to know that any trial, any heartache, any loss that you might face happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God would receive glory from this. Because ultimately when God works miracles in our lives, when God works miracles in our lives, it's never about the money, the job, the home, but it's about receiving the person of Jesus And know that Jesus' promise to Lazarus that his sickness would not end in death is a promise that is extended to us today. And if we're, we're, as we're invited into that, if we put our faith in Jesus, it might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but one day if you have trusted Jesus with your salvation, your life too will not end in death. And Rather, we're invited into a life that leads us to a resurrection just as Lazarus rose from the grave. We're invited into resurrection in this life where we become a new self, where we're shedding off our old self and being invited to transform our lives into a new life in Christ. We're invited into relationship with the Father and ultimately we receive the promise that we will not end in death. We are invited to be resurrected to the Father for eternity. And and that is something to get excited about. And and I want to take a little transition here and show you the next thing from this passage that I believe Jesus says uh, directly after he performs the miracle. And I think this is going to shed some light on what life looks like after the miracle in our lives. So Jesus is at the grave. He performs the miracle and he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. And in that moment, at the peak of this story, Everybody would have been shocked watching, and Jesus shouts, Lazarus come out, and Lazarus walks out. But since today we're not looking at what it looks like to live, or since today we are looking at what it looks like to live after the miracle, we're gonna look here at verse 44. Reminder, this is in John 11 verse 44. Jesus says, or sorry, it says, and the dead man came out, his hands and his feet were bound in grave clothes, clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And then Jesus says, unwrap him and let him go. Notice notice this, after the miracle, after Lazarus was raised from the dead, there were things on Lazarus that were designed for before the miracle. And and there may be things in your life that are on you, or a part of your schedule, or a relationship in your life that, that worked fine, before God did something in your life, before God did a new thing in your life. But after a miracle from God, there may be things that you have to remove. Things that weren't made for the place that God is bringing you. Lazarus had grave clothes on him, but Jesus did a new thing and brought him to life. And he had to shed those. Jesus says, unwrap him and let him go. And, and there may be dreams as you had, but now God has blessed your work or your company and God is saying, I know you dreamed, of X, Y, or Z, but would you trust me with where I'm taking you? Would you allow me to lead you to the place that I'm taking you? Or maybe there's someone in your life that you never thought you could reconcile with. You never thought, heck no, there's no chance, but God has or is doing a miracle in that relationship, and you are going to have to let the anger and distaste that you held for that person because that might have worked before, you might have, might have to let that go, because that might have worked before God did a new thing. But after God does something in our life, there may be things that we have to unwrap from ourselves and let go. And, and whatever it may be in your life, I, I say this to let you know that a miracle will result in movement. Because a miracle happens in our lives and we aren't meant to stay in the same place that we were, were before. We're meant to bring glory to God. We're meant to receive a miracle and, and allow it to transform our hearts into a new self. And I say that because whether that's movement in your heart, as God does a new thing in your heart, or something changing or changing real things in your life. When you're on the other side of God moving in your life, there may be things that have to be unwrapped off of your expectations or your plans that they made sense before God did a miracle in your life. They made sense before God took you to a new place. But after, you might have figurative grave clothes on you. You might have a headcloth that was meant for the grave, but now you're alive. And, and I feel like, uh, I think of this moment, what if, what if Lazarus would have been like, no Jesus, I'm not taking these grave clothes off, I was dead. It would have been silly, right? Everybody would have been like, the heck are you talking about, Lazarus? Take off those grave clothes because they aren't meant for where God has taken you. And I believe that in our lives, there's moments where we might try to hold on to things, That made sense before God did a new thing. But when we are transformed, when God takes us to a new place in faith, there might be things where we have to let go. We have to let go and and trust that God has our our direction and our future in his hands. Because when we receive a miracle or a blessing from God, he is drawing us to his presence and, and we might have to shed things that weren't made or given from him. And when God desires to do something in your life or to grow you in a certain way, there might be moments where you look down. You're like, well, guess I don't need these grave clothes anymore. And it's a humbling moment, but it's also a freeing moment for Lazarus to shed off those clothes. I'm sure he was so ecstatic to be like, God, thank you for doing a new thing. And I, I will let these grave clothes go because I don't need them anymore because God has done a new thing. And I say all this to urge you today. To not allow yourself to become desensitized to the work of God in your life. Never lose the wonder and the awe that comes with understanding the power of Jesus to work and move and perform miracles in our life. Uh, But because when we receive a miracle from him, we can't just settle for coming out the other side the same way that we went in. We're meant to be brought to a new place. We're meant to grow in faith. We're meant to dive into Jesus's presence more and more a miracle will result in movement. In the last part of the story, the third part of the story, I want to look at today with you is as Jesus heals Lazarus. I want to bring your attention to this, and, and I believe this is actually the whole point of the story. And I think if we miss this, uh, we're not we're not seeing the purpose behind the story. And I want to bring your attention to something that's right in the middle of the story, right smack in the middle, as Jesus is going to see Lazarus. Uh, He's with Martha. And Jesus says something to Martha that I believe sheds light on what miracles are for, what the purpose of miracles are. And and he says this in, in verse 25 of John 11. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this Martha? Jesus reminds Martha of who he is and it reminds us that every miracle points to the ultimate miracle in the face of Lazarus dying and Jesus going to heal him Jesus brings Martha's attention to something he he brings his atten- her attention to what was standing right in front of her he says I am the resurrection and the life anyone who believes in me will live every miracle points to the ultimate miracle. And we see that every blessing and every miracle that God places in our lives is not only an expression of God's love for us and his desire for us to be moved to a new place of faith, but I'm reminded in this that the things that we receive, whether it be that job, an acceptance letter, or building our portfolio, or or financial blessings or healing, they were never about the thing. Rather, those things in which God has blessed us with, those things in which God heals within us. Happened for the glory of God so that Jesus would receive glory. And if this whole time today you've been listening and been like, Adam, you're looking at what happens after the miracle, but you don't understand. I've been praying for the same thing for years. I've been hoping for the same thing to happen for years. I'm still waiting. I'm still praying. I'm still holding on. I'm still hoping and having faith, but it's hard. You don't understand. Adam, I've been praying for this. I've been hoping for this. I'm not on the other side of the miracle. And for you, it might even feel silly to think about what it feels like to be on the other side of the miracle. Because you, all you can think about is how you haven't received that thing. How you haven't been transformed. How you haven't been reconciled with that person. And essentially, you feel like thinking about after the miracle, it's not even worth my time because you don't feel like you've received it yet. So let me encourage, if that's you, let me encourage you for a moment. First of all, keep the faith. Continue to trust God for that thing. Continue to pray. Continue to surrender to Jesus. But even more, don't miss out. Don't miss out on what Jesus is bringing to Martha's attention here. Because he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Because just as we celebrated yesterday, a little over 2,000 years ago, a miracle broke into the world. A miracle broke into the world, and we are all living after that miracle. And and as I said, uh, every miracle points to the ultimate miracle, right? Every miracle is just a look into what the ultimate miracle does for us, what the ultimate miracle gives us. So if that's you today, remember that the miracle that is found in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus— is one that we're all living after, one that we all have the opportunity to receive and move into a new life with. So I just want to encourage you in that. And if you're if you're thinking, well, I don't know what that looks like. I just want to remind you that as we experience any other miracle or ones that we are experiencing currently or ones that we will one day experience, they're only a look and a reflection Of the miracle that is the salvation that we can receive in Jesus Christ. And I I just want to reiterate what Jesus says in John 11. I said it a couple times now, but I think it's worth repeating. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who who lives in me, believes in me, will never ever die. Do you believe, Martha? And, And maybe today all you need to do is you just need to respond to that question. Do you believe? Do you believe that we serve a God that came down to earth, went through all the junk that we face, experienced every temptation, and went to the cross after he lived a perfect life and sacrificed himself so that you and I might have the opportunity to step into a new life, to to be transformed, to receive the miracle that broke into the world almost 2,000 years ago? And because Jesus desires for you and me to receive him, as we live in the time after that miracle. Because a miracle from God, it was never about getting a check in the mail. It was never about praying your way for a promotion. It was never about upgrading the house or car. A miracle from God was always about receiving the presence of God. Right? And that's expressed in a lot of different ways over the course of our life. But the miracle is always about receiving the presence of God. And because that is what the power That is what has the power to transform our hearts, to transform our lives, to transform our minds, is the presence of God at work in our lives. And and the most important decision that any of us could make, could ever make, is to come to the feet of Jesus and receive the miracle that broke into the world. Receive the miracle that paid the price for our sins and and ultimately conquered death and rose in glory. And, And you might be sitting there saying, Adam, I've heard that a thousand times. Don't, don't lose the all in wonder that comes with receiving the power of Jesus because we're continually transformed, right? We're continually invited in to a relationship with Jesus in each and every day of our lives. So band, you can begin to come, but as I begin to close, I echo the words of Jesus after Lazarus rises from the dead. He said, unwrap him and let him go. And maybe this morning there's a part of yourself that has began to become comfortable seeing God as a vending machine, spitting out spitting out miracles, spitting out answers to prayers as you request them. Uh, But my hope for you today is that you will begin to see again, or for the first time, that God is a miracle worker, not so we may build up worldly inheritance, but so we may be invited into the presence of God each and every day. And and, and we are invited to reflect all the glory to the one who deserves it, which is Jesus. And, And as we navigate the blessings God has put in our lives, may we remember that every miracle and every good gift It's simply an opportunity to point glory to the ultimate miracle that we receive in the grace and salvation found in Jesus. And I hope that you don't leave this room this morning without having a moment with the presence of God, whether it be in this next song or as we take communion. Be real with God and say, God, this is where I'm at. I pray that you would just continue to work in my heart because I believe that as we surrender to Jesus, we'll find our spirits resurrected as we continue to grow into the woman and man. God is creating us to be. And that, guys, is what I believe it looks like to live after the miracle, to be transformed continually by the living God. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship you, to to lift up a song to you, God. I pray that you would just remind us continually how blessed we are just to have the opportunity to receive Jesus. I pray that wherever we might be in our walk with you, God, I pray that we would just continually surrender, lay down every request, God, lay down, as we lay down every uh, worry, every doubt, God, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts, God, and allow us to trust you with whatever we might be hoping for, whatever we might be uh, trying to get over, God, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts, God. God, I pray for the person that hasn't been able to forgive someone. I pray for the person that has been walking in, in this post-COVID, pre-whatever season we're in, God, I just pray that you would bless somebody in, in relational ways, God, that you would work in somebody's relationships, that whether it be family, friends, romantic relationships, God, I pray that you would just break into our relationships as you broke into the world. And we pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.